0: well hello everybody and welcome it is great to be with you today we're out in my yard so that's pretty cool uh it's a great privilege and an honor to be able to open god's word with you guys and we are in the ninth week out of ten in our series where we're going through the book of colossians verse by verse and we're almost done the early stages of this book we talked a lot about the theological right who is jesus what's he like what has he done? Why is that important? And then in the later stages of this book, we've moved kind of into the practical. Since Jesus is who he is, what do we do about that? How should we respond to that? And generally speaking, our response should be one of worship to Jesus. And we are gonna talk about worship today. It's not gonna be in the sense you might think. We're not gonna talk about worship uh, in the context of, we're gathered together on a Sunday morning, we're gonna sing some songs to the Lord. That's not what we're gonna talk about. What we're gonna talk about is worship in a couple of contexts in our lives a couple of major areas in our lives that are opportunities to worship one is the workplace one is the home two major realms that we live in and so what we'll do if you have your bible you can turn to colossians chapter 3 verse 18 and we're going to start by talking about the home how to treat those that you live with so colossians 3 18 we'll read through to verse 21 it says wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the lord husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the lord fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged what i want you to understand is the way that you treat and interact with the people that you live with is a part of your worship or it can be a part of your worship. And what we wanna just establish right away is this, no family, no household is perfect. None, not one. I was fortunate to grow up in a wonderful family, loving, supportive, uh, Christian home, but even still, we were very far from perfect. And I could tell you lots of stories, but to preserve the reputations of those involved, mostly my own, I will not tell you any of those. Um, While no household is perfect, What you need to know is though that god desires for households to flourish in him and it is possible it is possible because of the presence and the power of the holy spirit for a household to grow in godliness and for the household to flourish listen jesus must come first if jesus is not functionally the head of your household it will not flourish in christ very simply it just won't so let's look at some of the mechanics of this from colossians 3. the first thing it says verse 18 we'll just start off a little controversy because why not it says wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the lord so let me just start out by saying we should camp out on this verse for a little bit because if we get this one wrong it can really cause some damage Uh, it can cause tensions to run pretty high and uh, we don't want that to happen so we're going to camp out on this for a few minutes what i want to do first is tell you about some things that this does not say some wrong ways to read colossians three eighteen. number one is this that women are second-class citizens that's a wrong way to read this text you have to understand this though men and women are different biologically they have different roles in the home and in the church listen to me listen 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 men and women are unmistakably created equal in the sight of god there's there's not a question mark next to that or a star beside it that would be an exclamation point if you read in genesis 127, it says god created man in his own image male and female he created them that's not male and female it's male and female and if you read a little further in Genesis, in chapter 2, verse 21, I, I love the symbolism in this. It's, uh, you, you read that God made Eve out of Adam's rib. Some of your translations will say out of Adam's side. And I think that's wonderful imagery. And that just works for us because Eve was not taken out of Adam's back right like eve was not eve is not behind or less than or beneath the man eve was not taken out of adam's front she's not ahead of or before him out of his side just like think of that that's that's a perfect image of how it's supposed to be for men and women side by side working together in love and in harmony and in equality in the sight of god and i'm just. Want to rag on this for a second it really annoys me actually when whether it's in the culture or sometimes even the church women are treated less than just because they're women uh, one thing that drives me nuts is how women historically can get paid less than a man for doing the same job same experience same organization and just because they're a woman they'll get paid less uh, women until not long enough ago uh were not allowed to vote, a lot of times not allowed to own property. I was reading that women were not allowed to play golf at the Augusta National Golf Course where they play the Masters Tournament until 2012, like eight years ago, 2012. And I'm like, this is so crazy. Women are not second class or second rate. They are precious in the eyes of the Lord, created in His image. And listen to me, it is wrong underline that wrong to treat them any differently. Second wrong way we can read this is, uh, number two, women are slaves to their husbands. If you have to submit, that means you're essentially a slave. So so the wrong way of reading this, if you're a wife is, Uh, Okay, my will, my dreams, my desires, uh, my wants, my ideas, forget about those, I gotta submit to my husband, so it's not about anything that I want, I just have to uh, make my life revolve around him. It's all about him. That's not really the case. Wives are not slaves, but equal partners in a marriage. So. In a marriage there should be good discussion there should be uh, speaking of your mind on both parties there should be your, you're able to share your heart etc marriage is a partnership it is not a dictatorship it is a two-way street not a one-way street number three wrong way to read this your husband is always right <laughs> ladies you're welcome for including this one um i was at a wedding a few years ago and uh outside where the bathrooms are it was a sign directing you know where to go Uh, it said men to the left ladies always right and that really ministered to me but you know something even in that even that's not true women you're not always right either okay neither of you are an expert on every subject in all areas so stop acting like you are and even if you were even the experts are wrong sometimes so seek the grace of the lord humble yourselves and show grace to one another you are not always right and number four wrong way to read this is that if you're a wife you have to blindly do everything your husband tells you to do even if it is sinful or harmful or foolish or crazy and i'll just sum that one up by telling you if you are a wife and your husband is leading you directly into sin you are obligated not to follow him in that so i want to sidebar onto the men for a second i'm gonna like fully come back to the men in a minute but if your experience as a man as a husband Is any of those things that we just talked about you know your wife is less than you she is a slave to you Uh, you're always right she has to just do everything you say without question listen to me you are wrong you are reading this wrong and you are in the wrong that is not at all how the lord has set this up so that's not what the text says here's what the text does say it says wives submit to your husbands As is fitting in the lord and i can just hear it now some of you wives out there bristling at this idea going ha do you know my husband there's no way i'm going to submit to that blankety blankety blank okay here's the thing though god wants we already said this god wants your household to flourish he wants your life and faith to flourish and your husband's and your kids and yours as a family that's his desire for you so maybe let's hear him out before we just write it off altogether. this word submit that's obviously the buzzword in this text i'm not going to stand here and tell you oh uh, it looks like it's saying one thing but it's actually not oh god didn't mean it that way um this is written and it's pretty much at least in line with what it appears to be that word submit comes from the greek word hypotasso hypotasso and that word is a verb that means to subject yourself or subordinate yourself it is to regard someone else's will above your own it is to humble yourself it's to follow someone else's lead and what i just want to encourage you ladies in is this if that sounds repressive to you I want you to know this is actually a blessing and i know that's really easy for me to say as a man but let me just tell you this if a wife has a good godly husband and she lets him lead in various areas if she lets him set the pace spiritually if she lets him set the pace um, in matters of finances if she lets him set the pace in terms of parenting again not not just having you know this is what i say and here's what goes but taking the lead setting the tone setting the pace if that happens the family will flourish That's what God's Word says. And so that leads me to uh, a question that sometimes comes up, and uh, it's an important question. It's a serious question. You might ask, okay, Braden, this is well and good, but what if my husband is not godly? Maybe he's not a Christian. What if my husband is not really doing that great a job? What if my husband is not living up to his responsibility? I understand that's a sensitive thing and i know uh, that unfortunately some of you guys that's your experience so i, I don't want to make light of that or, or just you know glaze over that at all regardless though if your husband even if your husband is not living up to his responsibility listen that does not give you license to ditch your responsibility in fact the reason this verse tells you to submit actually has nothing to do with your husband you say i don't want to submit to him he's a bum the basis for you submitting actually is not him at all it's that look it's because it is fitting in the lord so so your submission to your husband listen it's based on your relationship to jesus not your husband that could be good (laughs) anyway it's best for you according to god when you submit so i would i just i can't say anything else but to simply encourage you believe the word of the lord humble yourself do what he says trust that he knows best and trust uh, in his strength and in his grace for your life for your marriage And, and here's what i would say too wives pray for your husbands pray for your husbands even if they seem like they are ice cold and completely super far off from doing the right thing or being the kind of person that uh that you think they should be pray for them because what i want you to know is god can change your husband better than you ever will be able to i promise you that so that's probably enough on the ladies for now. I've probably annoyed them quite enough already. So uh, let's jump over to the men. Here's the deal, men. Straight up, we need to do better. We need to do better. Like we acknowledge men and women, they're created equal, not as uh, one is not, you know, greater than or less than the other, but God has given men an extra and additional responsibility in the realm of the home. And that has been described by some as the concept of headship. Headship. The idea with headship is this it's not that the husband is better or greater than the wife, it's that the husband has primary, not sole, but primary responsibility for the well being of his family. It's the husband, it's not the wife it's not the church it's not the government it's you husband headship means that the husband is concerned with the well-being of his wife and his kids before his own headship means that he works and he works hard to make sure their needs are met now men that doesn't mean you need a six figure salary Um, maybe your wives work and they make more than you do that is okay the implication here though is that you're not just sitting around it's that you're, as you're able to, you're, you're working, you're striving, you're providing. Uh, headship means that the husband lovingly leads his family in accordance with what God says in His Word. Here's just an example of how headship plays out from, from the Bible. If you remember in Genesis chapter three, that's the, the place where Adam and Eve, our first parents, they committed the first sin in human history. Answer me this, from where you're at today. Who sinned first? Eve sinned first when God shows up on the scene, who does he approach first about it? Adam. Even though Eve did it first, he comes to Adam first. And Adam, it's because Adam had extra additional responsibility and weight to carry in that situation, and unfortunately, he didn't carry it very well. So men, listen to me. You are going to stand before God one day, and you will give an account to him not only for your own life, but for the well being of your wife and your kids as well. And what will he say to you on that day? What's he going to say to me on that day? It is time, men, to step up to the plate. It is time to pull up our socks here and step up to the plate and do what God is calling us to do if your wife, listen to me, if your wife is malnourished spiritually, you can't just roll your eyes and say, well, I wish she'd like, you know, try a little harder. That's on you. Yes, she's going to have some responsibility in that. Like even in in Genesis 3, Eve didn't get off scot-free. She had responsibility. Sometimes your wife uh, messes up and and she has ownership in that, but I'm saying you do as well. Sometimes your kids, uh, sometimes your kids run around like delinquents and, and, they get themselves into trouble and they're harming themselves and others that's that's partially on you you bear that responsibility i i've heard this said before um pastor mark driscoll is one who said this uh, and it's very true if the husband will not step up and lead his family satan will be happy to do just that and obviously men we don't want that for our families we don't want that for our wives we don't want that for our kids So into our text, Colossians 3.19, it says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. There's an awful lot we could dig into in that and unpack. Here's just what I would sum up on that. The best way, husband, that you can love your wife is to take your responsibility of headship seriously. This means pouring into your wife spiritually. This means making sure all of her needs are met all of them her physical needs uh, emotional spiritual sexual needs you're 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 responsible for making sure those are met this means treating your wife with kindness and respect don't be a jerk it says don't be harsh with them this means valuing and cherishing and honoring your wife as a person of equal standing she's not beneath you brother and ladies I'll sidebar back to you for a second I, I said this to you earlier what I want you to understand is that this is a blessing. This is a blessing for you. If you hear repression in this, like, oh, you know, God wants to just grind you down into a life of, of, of slavery in your own home, or God wants you to be under the thumb of your husband for your whole life, listen to me, you're not hearing the heart of God in this. I'm saying that when a man comes along, and by the power of God's Spirit, and, and empowered by His grace, and He leads in this way, and He loves in this way, This doesn't serve to repress you. God's heart in this is that you could come out from under that weight of responsibility that your husband is supposed to shoulder. It's it's supposed to be freeing for you, not repressing. So we'll move on now. Uh, Verse 20, we're gonna talk about the kids. So I don't know if your kids are running around your house, bring them in, and I wanna talk to them for a minute. It says in verse 20, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So for the kids listen it's good and it's godly to obey your parents i know that sometimes it seems like your parents don't know best i was a kid once wasn't that long ago sometimes it seems like your parents are just being mean for no reason sometimes it seems like they don't get you they don't understand they don't know what's best what i would just tell you is the vast majority of the time listen Your parents know better than you think they know. They understand better than you think they do. Your your parents love you and want the very best for you. So obey them. Don't just obey them when it seems like it's gonna work for you. Don't just obey them if you feel like it. This says obey them in everything. And it says that God is pleased, God is happy when you obey your parents. It's really good, it's good for you. Now verse 21, kids can go back to running around or whatever. Verse 21, this says, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Notice who that's addressed to again. That doesn't say wives, mothers. Do not provoke your children, that says fathers. Again, not because uh, the, the wife, the mother has no responsibility there, obviously she does. But the father bears that primary weight, that primary responsibility. And it's telling you, dads, love your kids love your kids pour into them tell them that you love them spend time with them give them your attention and your affection don't don't yell at them and beat them down and and make them feel like their main goal in life should just be to to reach your lofty expectations love your kids there are many kids who did not receive that kind of attention from their fathers and unfortunately that's really Uh, that's really wrecked a lot of lives. So, So dads, you can have a huge impact, more than you will even know. It seems disproportionate to what you put into it, what can come out of that. Love your kids. So in those four verses, that gives you a snapshot of how God wants things to be in the realm of the home. And what I would say to you today is, if this is not your experience, God has grace for you if you are a husband and you have been domineering or negligent in your role of headship God has grace for you in that God will forgive you God will empower you God will help you step forward in his spirit so you can walk a new life and and walk in strength in that area if you're a husband who maybe you failed to love your wife as you should same deal God has grace God will restore you. God will strengthen you. If you are a wife, maybe you struggle even with the very idea of submission. Maybe you have a husband who is not seeming to be very respectable. Listen, pray for them. God has grace for you. God will strengthen you. And if you would humble yourself before the Lord and, and do what He says, that can lead to blessing. Uh, if you're a child, maybe you struggle to obey your parents. God has grace for you in that too. Uh, you can pray to him, he will forgive you for that, and he will help you and strengthen you uh, to do better in the future. And listen, in all of this, all this stuff we've talked about, um, we don't do any of this stuff just to check off the religious checkbox, right? Yep, there, I love my wife, Uh, I didn't provoke my kids, yeah, yeah, great, great. No, we do this as part of our worship to Jesus. The home is such an important realm. so so much is involved in that home realm. And if we get this right, not perfect, but by God's grace, if we can get this one right, that's going to go a long way uh, to helping our lives and our families flourish. So there's a little bit of God's heart for you on that. Let's uh, let's continue on in our text today and uh, we're going to talk about the other realm, the big realm and that's the workplace. So let's talk, uh, from colossians chapter 3 verse 22 through 25 let's read that together You'll notice that word bond servants in there got to just talk about that for a minute that's not something we typically see a whole lot of in our culture in our day in our part of the world but there are some parallels that are pretty close there uh, that actually really affect our lives so the concept of bond servants um some of your translations will say slaves actually not too far off from that a bond servant was someone who would work under someone else they were subservient uh, to a master usually they worked without pay sometimes in quite harsh conditions and this can make us kind of a little bit uncomfortable right because we might read that and go oh that means the bible is condoning slavery that seems wrong i'm not sure i can agree with that god must not be as smart as he says he is there's a lot we could say about this here's what i'll tell you today the bible does not do anything to condone slavery in fact it it talks about how it's wrong and you shouldn't have that instead of condoning it what it actually does though is it seeks to be helpful realizing that many people lived in this system and it doesn't want to just leave them hanging it wants to say hey if you're in this system here's how you can live and still be faithful to jesus while you live in that system so the new testament was written um couple thousand years ago and it was in the context of roman rule the roman empire was uh, over much of the known world at the time and bond service was quite prevalent uh, in ancient rome some sources say that between one third and one half of all the people in the roman empire were bond servants one third to one half one of every two or three people lived in this reality that's a staggering astronomical number and how people became bond servants varied could happen in a number of different ways for one uh, if you were taking out a loan you would have to uh, be required to give security for the loan and sometimes what you would say is okay if i default on this loan as security i will offer myself to you as a bond servant for x amount of years additionally there were no social services in this day right so if you came on hard times lost your job you couldn't just fall back on ei sometimes you would grow desperate and out of that desperation you would uh, hire yourself out as a bond servant other times uh, maybe you belong to a city or a country or a nation and your uh, your realm got conquered by another nation probably the Romans and what would happen sometimes is that uh, the conquering nation would take the defeated nation and make them bond servants make them work for uh, the victorious nation so it varied a lot there it gives you a little bit of context on uh, this bond servant thing and the close parallel that i want to talk about like i said is uh, in our day is the workforce because that's something that an awful lot of us are involved in and what you need to know is that your work is part of your worship again you don't have a work life over here and your worship life over here they're very connected so how do we worship jesus in the workplace how do we worship jesus in that really large context in our lives if you work a 40 hour a week job you spend a lot of time at work or working from home these days but either way verse 22 of our text says bond servants so for our purposes today you can hear employees obey in everything those who are your earthly masters so just read that obey them in what everything you can't say well well, what if they're wrong that doesn't matter what if they're a jerk doesn't matter what if they're leading me to sin that does matter that would be the exception there if your boss supervisor manager employer if they're directly leading you into a sinful activity uh, you do not have to follow them into that now granted you might have to face the consequences of not obeying them uh, but ultimately you are more obliged to jesus than you are to them but largely in this verse what this is saying is don't be that person who dragged your heels don't be the person who is insubordinate don't be the person who is known for not listening to their boss don't be that kind of person that's not what Christians should be we should not occupy that role obey in everything those who are your earthly masters not by way of eye service as people pleasers aka you know what that means don't be a suck up don't be a suck up is there anything worse than a suck up on the job probably but they're still really annoying Don't be a suck up, but do it with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. So obey your master, not so you can look good, but obey them with humility and sincerity and and be legit about it simply for the reason that they are in authority over you this is a parallel this is a representation of your fearing the lord like it says in this verse that doesn't mean by the way you're afraid of god or afraid of your boss for that matter that means the fear of the lord is living in respect and awe and appreciation and living in light of who he is in a similar vein uh, you obey your earthly authority your boss as a representation of how you fear respect the one who is in ultimate authority over you whose name is Jesus whatever you do verse 23 work heartily as for the Lord and not for men so listen to me wherever you work at you are worshiping who or what you're worshiping can vary maybe in your job you worship and again we're talking about worship it's, it's a large scale it's what do you focus on what is your center what do your time and energy and efforts and resources circle around what are you most fired up about that's typically the object of your worship so maybe for your job it could be the money it could be the prestige it could be that promotion you're chasing uh, you might worship your coworkers. you might be the suck up and worship your boss that's not recommended kind of a fail the best choice believers listen to me is to worship Jesus as we work worship jesus as we work how do we do that you ask well this verse tells us to work hard work heartily as for the lord and not for men so do a good hard job in thankfulness to god for him providing that work to you be a good employee so it can further your witness you know something you know it's awesome is is if you're that employee and whether it's your co-workers or your supervisors they say man there's something about that person the way they work Like they're so driven they're so determined what is it about them and that could be an opportunity for you to say well it's because of the one who i belong to do this knowing that from the lord verse 24 you will receive the inheritance as your reward you are serving the lord christ though obviously it's good uh, when you get your paycheck we work for our pay this is, it sounds cheesy, but I I promise you it's not. This is just totally legit. The best pay you will ever receive, listen to me, brothers and sisters, is the inheritance that you will receive from God. It's, It's the inheritance you will receive when you come into your eternal home and you see Jesus face to face and he looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. There's no greater reward than that. It says here we are serving the lord christ so that just gives us more of a clue right there listen to me your job i don't care where you work at your job is really all about jesus verse 25 for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done and there is no partiality so this is kind of where you are my boss is a jerk uh, reality can come into play if your boss is a jerk maybe they are maybe they're terrible miserable to work for maybe you have a terrible work environment hostile work environment instead of responding by just doing poorly at your job on purpose or plotting your revenge if you've seen the movie nine to five this tells us keep working and keep working hard because you ultimately work for jesus not your boss and what this says is yes if they're a jerk if they are uh, mistreating you misusing you uh doing wrong by you not using their authority well it says that god will repay that's a guarantee here i don't care who you work for it doesn't matter who they are god will take action on every single injustice done uh, against you as an employee we'll talk more about that in a minute but just to zero in on on this section of text like i said friends your work is part of your worship and if you hear this and you are in a miserable working situation uh it's not fun the pay is bad the co-workers are brutal your boss is even worse listen to me god has grace for you if god puts you in a place where he puts you in that job He's not going to leave you high and dry he, he, he will give you everything you need to continue and to endure in that place maybe god also will give you grace in the sense that he will open up another opportunity for another job to come along god has grace for you so seek him don't get discouraged and forget about the lord in that situation you might also hear this and, and kind of go "Uh oh i haven't exactly been employee of the month God has grace for you in that as well. And I'll just be honest for a second. This is a little bit of confession time. Um, I've had a couple experiences like that. This has kind of ministered to me a little bit this week. Um, I what i want you i want you to know like i work hard i uh, take my job really seriously it's really important to me but there have been times in my working career where i haven't always kind of measured up to that like i had a job once in university and it had the occasional overnight shift midnight to 8 a.m and one night i went in at 12 i fell asleep at one i slept until six and then i played uh, computer games until eight and then i went home and uh, at the time because i was a punk i was like oh that was hilarious uh and i don't even think anyone at my work cared but you know something i regret that now because i missed out on an opportunity to represent christ well at my work I i i missed out on an opportunity to worship him with all of my being in that situation i don't find that funny at all i really regret it um i've also been this will be my last confession don't worry i also have been uh accused a couple times of being insubordinate where um, my supervisors, bosses, whatever, uh, they had their way and I had mine and I I would push back on theirs. And I thought I was right and they were wrong. I might still hold to that, but you know what? It doesn't matter because I didn't respect their authority as I should have. I missed out on an opportunity to worship in, in all of the fullness that I could have. And that's settling for less. That's not succeeding. That's not, oh, I really pulled one over on them. That's missing out but again i want you to know god loves you god will forgive you for all of this stuff and god will empower you and embolden you and strengthen and equip you so that you can step forward in a more god-honoring way and in a beneficial way in the future so with a little bit of time i have left we're going to flip the script we're going to read one last verse here it's colossians 4 verse 1. we're going to talk about uh, still in the workforce we're going to talk about masters those who are uh, how to treat those who are under you it says masters treat your bond servants justly and fairly knowing that you also have a master in heaven so if you have a job where you have people who report to you maybe you're not at the top of the totem pole you might have people higher on the org chart than you but if you have people who are under you and report to you and and you supervise you are in a position of authority and influence And God expects you 100% of the time to use that authority wisely. God hates it, hates it, hates it, hates it. When people who are in a position of authority misuse and abuse their authority and exploit other people and, and, and don't measure up. There's two reasons for this. Number one, God is a God of justice. And that's just part of his nature. That's just part of who he is, his character. And when he sees somebody, being unjust and not using their authority well and their influence in a way that is helpful and godly it actually goes against the character and the nature of god it drives him up the wall second reason um, it can be a bad representation and paint a bad picture of god and christians when authority is misused so if you're a christian and you are not wielding your authority well other people are going to notice and odds are good that they're going to look at you and say thought they were a Christian or something Uh, and this is how they're acting like obviously it must not mean that much to them it's kind of hypocritical if that's what their God is like I want nothing to do with him obviously we don't want that regardless of your situation or your structure or your organization if you are in a position of authority and influence you are called like it says in this verse to treat uh, those who are under you justly and fairly the reason why is not just so that they'll like you more the reason is because you also have a master in heaven and you are accountable to him remember we read earlier on that uh, there's no partiality like god will repay the wrong that is done so, so don't be that manager don't be that boss don't be that supervisor who, who probably for your own personal gain short-term gain um misuses and, and mistreats your employees don't do it flip the script there think of what you could do in a positive way in a positive light and, and the good impact you have if if those underneath you uh, in your place of work see you treating them well and treating their coworkers well and by the way they always see it they always see how you treat them and others they never miss it guaranteed if they see you treating and using people well that's going to be better for you that's going to be better for them it'll just be a better place to work and that can be fuel to your witness like we talked about earlier if you're that boss that supervisor people might look at you and say what is it about them why why do they act this way and that can be an opportunity for you to say listen it's because I serve a master in heaven and I'm accountable to him so again friends i hope that you're understanding this your work is part of your worship and to you who this last part applies to and you have some under you in your place of employment listen if you have not measured up in this area guess what i'm going to tell you god has grace for you if you have been that manager that supervisor that employer that boss who has i don't know been a jerk misused your authority um, you have not been just and fair to those under you god will forgive you for that and god will restore you in that if uh, god will god will send his spirit and and equip you and strengthen you god uh, will can provide you with resources and help for you to be a better leader god might link you up with other people who uh, can train you and equip you and help you and hold you accountable god has grace in this area you're not written off you're not condemned you're not done god has more for you here so That's about all for today i want to wrap up here um i hope that you've seen today both of these areas the workplace and the home these are two major areas in our lives these are both opportunities to worship jesus to see jesus lifted high in our lives to exalt him to be in his will ourselves ultimately you see again this is all about jesus it keeps coming back to it he is the point he is the purpose he is central in all of this stuff and jesus wants to be central in your life not just your spiritual life your whole life your home your life, life your work life your family life your your hobby life your sports life all of your life it's all connected and jesus wants to rule and reign in every single area and when we allow him to do so when we allow jesus to be in first position in our lives on the throne of our hearts that is when we start to flourish ourselves when we do this when we center ourselves on him we receive growth in him, we receive blessing, it's not always easy, but we will be blessed, we are more content, we can be better witnesses, and a whole host of other good things, so my friends, listen to me, make Jesus your center today, make Jesus your center, if there's any area in your life where he is not, where you're trying to keep him out, where you're trying to keep him in the dark, I would encourage you, don't do that, And especially like we've seen, these two large areas of the work in the home, I'm I'm just excited for us, for what could be if we were to step into this, uh, even just one step today toward Jesus and his will in these areas. So I want to pray for you and for me, and then we will wrap up this time. So let's go to God. Lord Jesus, we first just acknowledge the fact that You are God. You are great. You are greater. You are triumphant. You have overcome the grave. You have defeated death by Your work on the cross and Your resurrection, and we worship You today as Lord and Savior. We worship not someone who just died, but someone who rose and is seated on the throne, ruling and reigning. Lord Jesus, help us to allow You to occupy Your rightful place in our lives on the throne in the number one position lord jesus we acknowledge it with our mouths today let it also be the fruit in our hearts and in our minds and in our actions that you are first that you are central in every area of our lives i want to pray for the households uh, of our church but also anyone else who might be listening in god i'm praying for blessing i'm praying for flourishing i'm praying for um, chains to be broken i'm praying for um, bad situations to be turned around by your spirit by your power God, for the husbands, the wives, the kids, grandparents, family. God, I pray for blessing on each one. God, uh, for those who are maybe not walking with you or seeking you as they should. I pray, God, that you'd stir in their hearts and cause them to desire to solidify and center their homes on you. God for our jobs. First of all, Lord, we are thankful for our jobs. Uh, we know that every good and perfect gift comes from You. Uh, every blessing comes from You, and uh, God, uh, the fact that You've given us these uh, these employment opportunities shows that You provide for us, and we love that, Lord. We thank You for that. Help us to worship You as we work. Help us to not see our work as a separate thing. I got my work life. I got my Jesus life god help us to bring you into our workplaces and i don't necessarily just mean that in a we will blab on and on and on and be that guy who you know that annoying religious guy or whatever that's not what i mean let it start in our hearts lord let us even start by um, acknowledging and understanding that our work Uh, is an opportunity to worship you. And then, yes, let us open our mouths and speak of you uh, in our workplaces, God. Give us opportunities to to witness to and minister to those who uh, we are around and surrounded with. Lord, in all these things, we acknowledge you as God. We acknowledge you as good. We lift you up. We worship you. We ask for your strength and your grace as we go forward from this day. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us. It's been a blessing. We'll see you next time.